For years, there's always been a box of Kleenex there. I don't know why, because I don't use it. And then today, I'm like, no Kleenex. (laughs) You know, so I got slobber all over me, but we'll do the best we can. I really dislike the Bible sometimes. So I know as a pastor, I probably shouldn't say that out loud, and, you know, they could just take a clip of my message and be like, he's a heretic, right? But it's true, man. Um, Just once, I'd like to open the Bible and read a verse that says, hey, Bob, just keep living the way you are, because you've kind of got this Christianity thing kind of figured out, right? But it never says that when I open the Bible, right? Or rarely, I guess. I I might hit the mark once in a while. But almost always, when I open scripture, what stands out to me is this enormous gap between the way Jesus lives and operates and the way I live and operate, right? And the holes in my character are just laid out before me in pretty gruesome detail sometimes. And this week was especially brutal for me um, because I really struggle with this topic that I'm going to talk about, and it comes out in some pretty ugly behaviors in my life. So hide your kids, hide your wife, (laughs) Pastor Bob's about to get real up in here, okay? If you didn't know what I was just talking about, where have you been on YouTube the last eight years or so? Because today we're going to be examining Jesus' way of submission, And submission is kind of a dirty word in our culture, isn't it? I remember very clearly one uh, Sunday I was doing a premarital counseling class with a group of couples, and one of the brides-to-be said this out loud. (laughs) She said, if I have to say during the ceremony that I have to submit to my husband, then I'm not doing it. I was like, okay. Okay. Needless to say, that marriage didn't turn out very well, Um, but there's a lot of baggage with this word, submission, and sometimes, rightfully so, because people can use it um, in abusive ways to try to control people or, you know, to get things out of folks, so it it comes by it honestly at times, Um, but there are a ton of misconceptions about the spirit of submission, but on the flip side, Jesus makes it very clear that having a posture of submission is a prerequisite, not a prerequisite, but a, a, a requisite for us now as followers of Christ. Like, we have to be submissive. It's part of the deal. So we're going to try to understand this a little bit better today. So I heard a definition this week of submission that I liked. <clears throat> if you can put that up. It says this, self-denial out of love for God and others. And if you break that word submission down into kind of its two parts, then you can see pretty clearly what it's talking about is kind of putting your mission underneath somebody else's mission, like a subset, okay? And so in the terms of Jesus, right, he's putting his mission uh, underneath the mission of his father. And that's why when he taught us how to pray, right, he said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not my kingdom and my will. So in his book, Celebration of Discipline, um, this is written in the mid-80s sometime. It's kind of a Christian classic. If you haven't read it, it's it's really good. But Richard Foster is the author, and he, he points out 12 different or identifies 12 different Christian disciplines 
And he writes a chapter about each. And a lot of them are ones that you would expect, things like prayer and reading God's word and confession and worship. Then he also has this chapter on submission. And I think it's interesting that it's included in the book on disciplines because it reminds us that it's a discipline. It's not something that comes natural or easy for us. It's it's hard. And yielding to somebody else's mission has been a struggle since the very beginning of time. Because an unwillingness to submit was what led to Satan's fall. Right? Satan was once an, an angel of God, but then his own pride and ambition kind of got in the way. And, and Isaiah records uh, the event like this. He says, and this is in chapter 14, it says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star. He's talking about Satan, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. So clearly Satan was unwilling to put his mission underneath God's. And so God had to kind of step in and say, Hey, there's only one most high here, and it's not you, right? And so with that struggle in mind, this whole submission issue, when we share the gospel with people and we talk about people, you know, being saved, what we should be telling them, and hopefully you do this, is that in order for people to to be saved, they have to receive Christ as both Savior and Lord, not just, you know, one or the other. And after being a Christian for 30 years and being in mostly evangelical settings where we're trying to share that gospel, I would say that overwhelmingly, most of the time, the emphasis tends to be on the Savior side because that's the easy sell. I always tell people, like, I don't have a very hard time convincing people that they're sinners. Most people who have just a shred of honesty can, can look at their life and say, yeah, I'm selfish or I'm you know, prideful or arrogant or gossip or jealous or I'm greedy or whatever. I mean, it's pretty easy for people to own that they have a, and they have some issues. And it's even somewhat of an easier sell for them to say, yeah, I probably do need somebody to, to save me. I can't save myself from those things. And so, you know, more often than not, people are willing to embrace that side of Jesus, man, I need a rescuer, I need a savior. But then there's this other side, this Jesus is Lord part, And for whatever reason, that's a much tougher pill to swallow for people. Maybe you've had that experience. And maybe we think that that part is kind of optional. And so we kind of fake our way through this Christian life, you know, embracing the fact that, oh, yeah, man, I need the grace. I need the the mercy. I need the love. But what I'd really like to do is still kind of control life the way I want and kind of do what I see fit. And hope that Jesus just kind of gives his stamp of approval at the end on that. But if we're in the word of God at all, we see a very clear picture of submission demonstrated by him and demanded of us. Because Jesus wants to be Lord over every part of our life. He wants to be Lord over our gifts and talents that he's given us. He wants to be Lord over our careers. He wants to be Lord over our relationships. He wants to be Lord over our money. He wants to be Lord over our dreams, everything. So let's shift our focus to Jesus. 
and how his posture of submission played out. So we worship a triune God. Most of you are familiar with the concept of the Trinity, even though most of us don't really get it, and I'm not sure it's something we're supposed to necessarily get. (laughs) That's why he's God and we're not, right? But the Trinity is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three different manifestations of God, but all on equal ground with one another. They were there in the beginning. They always have been. They always will be. Okay? But when Jesus put on human flesh and become a man, became a man, he willingly submitted himself to the Father. He put himself underneath the Father. Okay? That was his choice. And Paul explains this so well in Philippians chapter 2. Can you open your Bibles there? Philippians chapter 2, it's page 1072 in your pew Bibles. Okay, this is under the heading, Imitating Christ's Humility. Starting in verse 5, it says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so time and time again, we see Jesus setting aside his divinity and saying, I'm going to submit myself to the Father, even when it meant ultimately laying down his life. In the Gospel of John, if you were to read through that Gospel, John, 47 different times in that Gospel, gives examples of Jesus acting directly under the orders of his Father. Here are just a, a couple of examples from, from that book. John five nineteen says, Jesus gave them this answer, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does... The Son also does. And then John 12, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. So, you know, talk about perfect submission. Can you imagine if in your life you only did or said what the Father told you to? Can you imagine how different our lives would look if we did those things? So Jesus' submissive spirit was put to the test during the last week of his life. Right? As the season of Lent kind of goes on, we're kind of counting down the days to Good Friday here in a couple weeks and Easter Sunday. And that last week when he enters into Jerusalem is called the Passion Week, and, and that's when things really get pretty intense and there's, it really ramps up when we get to kind of the night before Jesus, or the night he was arrested, the night before he was killed, and he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we see his humanness in, in very raw reality there, as the reality of this gruesome death and the separation from God that he was going to experience as he takes on all of our sin is becoming very 
you know, clear and very near for him. And so after the Last Supper, Jesus goes up onto the Mount of Olives to pray. I want you to flip your Bibles now over to Luke 22, page 960, Luke chapter 22. We're starting in verse 39. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So we can see the intensity there. And the human part of Jesus was really open to another plan. Hey, if there's a plan B of how this can be accomplished without me doing this, please let me know what that is now, right? He says, if if you can take this cup for me or this path that I have to go on, please, please. But in the end, he says, not my will, but yours be done. So not only did Jesus submit himself to the Father, but he also submitted himself to Scripture. As you read through the, the Gospels, you see many examples where it says that Jesus said this or did this so that Scripture would be fulfilled. Right? The Old Testament is filled with a couple of thousand prophecies about the Messiah and what he would do and say and who he would be. And so Jesus, as he's living out this story, in some ways is kind of checking off the list, like the things that the plan that God had for him and what his life needed to look like. And he understood this idea that it, he couldn't just go and do whatever he wanted, that there was a story laid out for him and he submitted himself to that story which, again, ultimately led to him needing to die and to lay his life down. And so finally, in addition to submitting himself to the Father and to Scripture, he also submitted himself to other humans, people that he created. And to me, this is by far the most humbling thing that he did, right? He willingly chose to submit himself first to his earthly parents, did what he was told as a kid. Then later on, the stakes got uh, much higher. He paid taxes to Caesar. He surrendered himself to Roman soldiers. He subjected himself to uh, um, kind of an illegal and trumped-up trial. He yielded to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and his sentence of guilt and execution on the cross. And finally, he handed over his ministry to his disciples, all of which was extremely humbling for somebody who was also God. And so in a lot of ways, I look at that and I think, you know, if it was good enough for him, how could it be too much for me? And this honestly, for me, is where things really start to fall apart. And, you know, there are times, like I say, like where I'm preparing messages and I'm just like, oh, man. I hate this because I am just squirming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit as I'm studying and writing this. I'm just like, man, I am so, 
screwed on Sunday, right? Now, here's my deal. As a person who's been given some leadership gifts, okay, I really struggle under the leadership of other people. Not just sometimes, but really most of the time, which is really why I just like to be in charge, (laughs) because then I don't have to listen to somebody else. And because here's the deal, if in my pride I feel like I could do a better job than the leader, I almost don't know what to do with myself, honestly. I mean, it's ugly. I immediately will become critical and arrogant and prideful and resistive and plot ways in my mind of how I'm going to circumvent their way of doing it so that I can still do it my way. I mean, it is ugly. And I would love to be able to, to justify it somehow, right? And I probably could if you gave me enough time. I could figure out a way why that's okay. And God gave me this gift, and so blah, blah, blah. But really, it's just sinful the large majority of the time. And ultimately, what happens is, is it costs me an opportunity with that person who I'm not willing to submit to to share the gospel with them because I've ruined my witness by my actions and my spirit towards them, which is really ultimately the only thing that really matters. Because if we only submit to people who we respect or admire or can get on board with their plan or see things the same way, are we really any better than any non-Christian person who would do that too? I mean, Jesus calls us to a different level of humility, of submission, that requires us to lay down some of the things that we feel like are so important. And I think about um, the example of Paul, right, where he says, you know, to the Jews I became a Jew, you know, to the Greek I became Greek, Um, to the slave I became a slave. I did all of this. I became all things to all people so that I might win some. And so the application for me in this is that I need to learn to be submissive (laughs) so that I might win some. Jesus didn't endure, just endure across death. He also lived across life, which means that he lived a life of voluntary submission to those God had given authority. And he made it very clear that he demands that all of us do that as well. He made it very clear to Peter and Paul what following him would demand. This is what he said to Peter at the end of his ministry right before he went up to heaven. He said, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So he's saying to Peter at the end of his life, you're going to be crucified too. So... (laughs) Go ahead, and this is what he said to Paul, about Paul. He said about Paul, he said, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And then this is what he said to us in Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. 
So there's just no way around it. Submission is all over the scriptures. James 4, 7, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 1 Peter 5, 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Children, obey your parents. Honor your father and mother. Be subject to the governing authorities. Even Hillary or Donald. Lord, help us. <laughs> on and on it goes. Consistent message. Submit, submit, submit. Self-denial out of love for God and others. Submission is at the very core of the Jesus way that we've been studying all year. And believe me, man, I would love it if there was a loophole. <laughs> there was some way to get out of it. I want to take for a moment to, to compare worldly submission to biblical submission. Okay, Worldly submission is as limited as we can make it. While biblical submission is as broad as mankind. Let me tell you what I mean. In worldly submission, we try to figure out how we can have as few people above us as possible while having as many people beneath us as we can. Biblical submission is the exact opposite. It says, I want everybody above you, and you're at the very bottom. Very different picture, right? When Jesus came, he said that he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his example. Worldly submission is compulsory, and it's imposed from the outside, while biblical submission is voluntary, and it comes from the heart. Okay, the best example I could think of is this. How many of you have owned one of those at some point in your life? Currently might own one. Nick, yes. <clears throat> The radar detector. First of all, when these things came out, like 20 or 25 years ago, I was like, how are these legal? Like, how do we get to have these in our car to avoid getting tickets for this stuff, right? A radar screams this. When you're watching, I'll follow your rules. When you're not, I'll do what I want to do as fast as I want to do it, right? Now, I still speed. I just don't own one of those, okay? So I'm not saying I'm above those people, by any means, okay? So that's one kind of example of worldly submission, right? When somebody's watching, okay, I'll do what you need, but as soon as you're gone, I'm gonna do things my way. Here's another spirit that I see. I'm sure maybe you can relate to this, right? When you're underneath somebody else's authority, maybe at work, right? When you flip those burgers at McDonald's one day and it's like outwardly, when your boss tells you what to do, you're like, okay, yeah, sure, right? And then you walk in bay and be like, oh man, you know and you're thinking and you're in your heart and in your mind you're cursing their name and and you know what that's why jesus came and he said you know what you've heard it said you know do not murder but i say if you call anybody a fool in your heart you've murdered them right he says it's about what's going on in your heart and mind that makes you guilty not just what you do outwardly all the time richard foster the guy who wrote this 
wonderful book over here, says that submission to God and others is freedom. What does he know? Listen to this stupid quote that I hate. <clears throat> he says, I said that every discipline has its corresponding freedom. What freedom corresponds to submission? It's the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. The, the obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go is one of the greatest bondages in human history today. People will spend weeks, months, even years in a perpetual stew because some little thing did not go as they wished. They will fuss and fume. They will get mad about it. They will act as if their very life hangs on the issue. They may even get an ulcer over it. In the discipline of submission, we are released to drop the matter, to forget it. Frankly, most things in life are not nearly as important as we think they are. Our lives will not come to an end if this or that does not happen. Often we cannot stand to give in simply because it means that we will not get our own way. Only in submission are we enabled to bring this spirit to a place where it no longer controls us. Only submission can free us sufficiently to enable us to distinguish between genuine issues and stubbornness and stubborn self-will. Yeah. Well, if submission to God is freedom, then why do we fight it? You know, the antonym of submission is defiance. Defiance. What are we fighting? This is me asking you a question. What are we fighting? Why don't you want to submit? Let's be honest. Lack of control. Lack of control. Yes. Giving somebody else control feels like death, right? What else? Pride. Pride. Okay. Yeah, we think we could do it better. We don't want to be told what to do. What else? Okay, what do you, who said that? What do you mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, feel like you're giving up some freedoms, yeah. It can hurt really bad, okay, what do you mean? Yeah. There's a lot of unknowns sometimes, you know, about a relationship he's asking you to let go of or a job he's calling you out of or whatever, and then you don't know what it's going to look like on the other side, and so there's trust issues there maybe, yeah. The concept of surrendering to win is admitting defeat. Okay. So maybe part of submitting yourself is, is having to admit, like, I can't do life on my own, right? God, I can't solve my problems. I can't fix the mess that I've created. I can't all kinds of things, right? Fill in the blank.
what do we know that God is trying to do in us, right? Once we surrender our lives to him and we become a child of God, as a loving father, what does the Bible say, say that God is trying to do in us? What's that? Use us for his glory. Okay, good. What else? What's that? Can you say something? Make us like Jesus, right? I mean, that's ultimately what he's trying to do. That's his mission. Make us like Jesus, right? Make us holy. Shouldn't we want that? Do we want that? Sometimes I wonder if that's really what I want. Or what if I really want is to be made like Jesus in some ways, but not in every way. Look at what Jesus says in Luke 6.46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Dang it. If you were here about six weeks ago, we, we talked about the altar over there. We talked about how as humans we're called to be living sacrifices. And we've talked about the problem of a living sacrifice is that you can crawl off the altar. And we talked about some things in our life that we have up there that we need to be pinned down on, right? Submission for me is one of these things that I need God to pin me down on. Because I want to crawl off the altar of submission. One article I read this week said that having a spirit of submission meant letting go of trying to, one, make things happen, two, get people to like you or think well of you, three, get people on board with your agenda, and four, ensure that you succeed. To which I say, well, what am I going to do with all my time? Because I, that's all my life is right there, is trying to get those four things, right? And then Foster again tops it off with this quote, usually the best way to handle most matters of submission is to say nothing. Is anybody else in here squirming like me? I mean, am I alone in this? Can I see some hands, some amens, something? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. We need help. <laughs> what can we do? Well, when I ever, whenever I talk with people about the process of change, of, you know, if we realize something and we want to start heading in a new direction, the first thing that I always tell them is that we have got to confess our sin. We've got to begin with acknowledging that we have a problem and that that problem you know, is hurting me, it's hurting the people in my life. So that would be my first step that I would have for you is to come clean with kind of that stubborn pride that roams around in our hearts, specifically that tells us that we're better than other people. Secondly, is that we have to admit that we don't have the power to change. Right, that, that we can't just become more submissive because we decide to. That it's, it's, it takes the Holy Spirit living in us. Right? If we could do it on our own, then Jesus didn't need to die. 
And so that's why every single day we have to come to him and say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Help me. And we have to soak ourselves in the word of God that constantly reminds us of Jesus' submissive spirit, of his example of someone who considered others better than himself, even when he had created all of them. And God, if that's our desire, he will give us situations where we will have the opportunity to submit to him and to see how many people that we can put over us that we can serve. Believe me, he'll give you the chance very soon if you want to move in that direction. But then, ultimately, we have to obey. Obedience is always a choice. But we have to remember that disobedience has consequences. One of the verses that, you know how you have kind of some verses in Scripture that just kind of haunt you? One of those verses for me is this, is that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Because knowing that pride is probably my biggest battle, like, it's like, man, I do not want to end up on the wrong side of that equation. All right, I'm done. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your example. Man, it is really, really challenging (laughs) to consider everybody else better than yourself. To be willing to submit to people at times that you don't agree with, that you don't trust. but do it because we love you and because in doing so that we might have the opportunity to share Christ with them and win an audience with them. And so, Lord, we confess the the pride and the arrogance, the defiance that roams around in our hearts that's an offense to you. Lord, you didn't consider serving others and and considering others better than you something that was be above you or beyond you you didn't come trying to lord it over people and to and to take the throne and and put everybody's subject underneath your your rule you came and you served and you washed feet and you laid your life down and lord we can either submit now to you and to others or as your word says that one day when we're standing before you every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord so Lord give us the desire to have that posture here so that that is not a surprise for us one day when we're standing before you or not standing as it were Lord, we love you. Pray that you would continue to remind us of your humble example and help us to just let some things go and just to die some things and experience some freedom where we want to kind of grab hold of things and 
stew about them and um, man, it's just destructive. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we close?